Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Hi, hello everybody. For those of us watching online, I'd like to say hello to you. Do reach out to your chat host, connect with them so that they can also connect with you. If you're visiting for the first time, welcome to you. Uh, Just a reminder, do download our church app. That's a great way to follow our sermon notes. Uh, Those are fillable notes. You can fill it up, then you can send it to yourself and keep it so that somewhere down the road you can refer to them again. Also in our church app, you'll find our Bible reading is mentioned there. And so I strongly recommend that you check out our church app and the Bible reading that can be done through the church app. Uh, For this Christmas season, already it's Christmas season, yep, our sermon series is called The Good News. And as we look at the sermon series, the brand new series, I'm glad that where it's taking us, because not only do we accept the good news, but we also should look beyond ourselves and we should share the good news. So exciting sermon series and excited about where this will take us in the coming weeks. Uh, By the way, last night I was was getting ready, I I did go to uh, take my shower and looked at the shampoo that I've been using, and I think that's the reason why I probably put on weight during Christmas season. Because the shampoo that which goes all over my body says, for extra volume and body. <laughs> then I went to the kitchen to do the dishes and I was looking at the dishwashing liquid. And I'm not recommending that you use this, but the dishwashing liquid said, dissolves fat that is otherwise difficult to remove. <laughs> so... So maybe I've been using the wrong shampoo and I'm going to work on that and then you can go to the gym in January and you can work on that too. All right, let's get our Bible together and if you will take out your sermon notes in the bulletin or you go to the church app, we are going to look at uh, the Bible, Luke Luke chapter 9, verse number 57 and verse number 58. Allow me to read this for you. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head down. These are the words of Jesus. He's saying foxes have a place, birds have a nest, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head down. What is implied in these verses is the word rejection. And the good news is, even even though the the rejection itself is not good. The good news is that because Jesus has been rejected, if you are going through difficult moments in your life, you are struggling and you are facing rejection and difficulties, the good news is he is able to relate to you. As you are listening to this message today, some of you are wondering what this Christmas season is going to be for you. This has been a difficult year. For some of you, you have been struggling emotionally or physically or financially, or spiritually, and the twists and turns that life brings along our life's journey makes you feel like not wanting to celebrate the good news. Point number one, empathy over apathy. 
empathy over apathy. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that our Christmas or Xmas has become terribly commercialized. We now have Santa Claus and we have got the flying reindeers and we've got gifts coming down our chimneys. And as we pursue these Christmas lies, we have certainly placed importance to what is not factual and we have ignored what is to be celebrated and what is to be treasured. Christmas is a time when we focus on the birth of Jesus Christ. Christ reminds us, or Christmas reminds us, that God is not distant or far removed from us. You often hear the word Jesus, the Emmanuel. El meaning God, Emmanuel meaning with us. God is with us, and Christmas reminds us as God is there, as, as you're going through difficult moments in your life, God is there. The word empathy, to get into somebody else's shoes, if God is so distant and far removed, how can he get into my shoes? He doesn't even know what I'm going through. But the good news is that Jesus understands and is able to relate to our feelings of hurt and pain and fear and disappointments because he has been through it. Now, in the first Christmas story, look at the number of miracles which was missed out. The innkeeper was there and he could not see the miracle even when it came knocking at his doorstep. Innkeeper had no reason to be enthusiastic or be excited about it. The innkeeper did not find anything special about Mary on a donkey. Missed it. The local merchants missed it because they were not looking for it. In the marketplace, the hustle and the bustle was there, but they missed the real reason for the season. They all missed baby Jesus. Now, we are calling this the good news. The birth of Jesus Christ is the good news. And we call it good news because we know what takes place at the end of the story. We know what happens when, when we accept Jesus Christ, how our life gets transformed. But in the first Christmas story, they did not realize this was good news. In fact, everyone was afraid. Mary was afraid. Joseph was afraid. King Herod was afraid. The shepherds were afraid. In fact, the entire city of Jerusalem was afraid. They were all afraid. Author Gail D. Irvin, in his book, Jesus Style, he talks at length about Jesus identifying with our suffering and our fears. A study of his humble birth, his modest life, his sacrificial death deduces one thing, that Jesus understands our weaknesses, he understands our fears, he understands our temptations, he understands and he cares for you and he cares for me. Hebrews chapter 4 verse number 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. When you read the Christmas story, you find God is telling us something interesting. You find Jesus humbled himself, made himself of no reputation. At his birth, there was no room. Shortly after his birth, King Herod tried to kill him. Surely Jesus understands our struggles because he has faced it. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 6 to verse number 9, captures this well. Who being in the very nature God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. On December 25th, more shirts are sold in his name than all the other names put together. On December 25th, more things are sold in his name than all the other names put together. And it's almost like Jesus said, or God said, you know, I want you to mark December 25th on your calendar because I'm going to do something really interesting. So you go to God and you say, God, what are you going to do on December 25th? He goes, I'm going to have him be born in a manger. In a manger. In a barn. Now that is so hard to understand. That is no place for a baby to be born. I was born in Kolkata, India. My mom always wanted a girl. Look at what she got. A good looking boy. (laughs) And then I'm told, and my, my album testifies, photo album testifies to this. But when I was born and the nurse went and gave the news to mom, she had for the second time a boy. She cried. Because she wanted a boy. And the photo album says that for the first few years, delicate years of my life, she treated me and pampered me like a girl. Look at that. <clears throat> That's me. That pic- picture there with, with that two pony tails and, and, and that, that, that dot and the frock. That, that's me. Pl- please remove that picture. Just... I was born at Princip Nursing Home. My older daughter, she was born at Mercy Hospital. My younger one was born in Hope's Clinic. We were born in clean, sanitized place. Now, we all know what mangers were like. That's no place for a baby to be born. When we are watching a Christmas play, please understand that's a sanitized version of the Christmas story. What we don't have in that cute-looking Christmas play is all those animals with animal waste, smelly, Dirty, messy. When we pick up the Christmas card, oh, the beautiful card with that nativity scene, beautifully four-color print, nice, nice paper. That's a sanitized version of the Christmas story. That's not how it really took place. In Luke chapter 2, we find Mary was in full pregnancy. The Roman emperor ordered people to go to their hometown to register. Bethlehem was Joseph's ancestral home. And so Joseph and Mary traveled to their hometown, Luke chapter 2, verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn, the firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, in the ancient world, the, the wooden mangers have survived and we have had the time to study it, and so we kind of know what it looks like. Animals were regularly held in homes at night, A small number of flock animals were housed, not in attached exterior sheds, but inside the house in one of the rooms, the ground floor, level one rooms. Here animals and tools and agriculture produce was there, the animal waste, the smell. In fact, one of the rooms was also used for cooking, for food. 
And uh, you know, that's not like the clean electric stove stuff, all of that good stuff happening. This was just hardcore cooking and the animal waste and the animal and the food and, the f- and all of that. It's, it was smelly. It was messy. That is the place where Jesus was born. Now, Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, was an old hometown. Why did Mary and Joseph have no place to stay? Why did they have to go to the inn? And the innkeeper had to say, there's no room for them in the inn. Surely there was an ancestral home, or, they had, or Joseph had cousins, or there were friends, and they could have gone and stayed there instead of this messy, dirty place. But here is what took place. You see, Mary was pregnant, right? And let me whisper this to you. She was pregnant before they were married. Oops, I said it. And to make it worse, Joseph was not the father of Jesus. And if you're talking about social taboo, the social taboo in those days was a lot, lot worse. Maybe some one of the family members walked up to Mary and Joseph and said, I don't know what you two have been up to, but we as a family, we do not approve of this. So you see, baby Jesus is being rejected even before Jesus is born. And then we read that Mary wrapped her baby in swaddling clothes. It sounds so romantic, swaddling. Now Luke, who's the writer, He's a doctor, and he knows the Middle Eastern culture. Swaddling clothes were used as death blankets. When somebody died, you wrapped them in swaddling clothes. As Mary and Joseph were moving to Bethlehem, swaddling clothes must have been taken along for a medical emergency. And so right there, it's not a soft, romantic description of the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. What is depicted here is that at his birth, he was wrapped or marked for death in swaddling clothes. Now, if Joseph had enough coins, if he had money, if he was rich, the innkeeper would have said, hey, why don't you, you know, just stay, stay, stay where I stay and I'm going to go to the manger. But that didn't take place because chances are Joseph was poor. He was a carpenter. He was a day laborer. In fact, later on, you'll find when the rich people brought offerings of, of lambs and goats, Mary only had enough money to bring a, a little dove. That means the parents of Jesus were poor. So if you are facing family disapproval, the good news is Jesus understands. If you are facing financial struggles, the good news is Jesus understands. If you are facing rejection and you are feeling lonely this Christmas season, Jesus understands. Francis Schaeffer writes it so, uh, uh, James Francis writes it so well. He writes it in The Real Jesus. Let me read this line. It's beautiful. Here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in an obscure village where he worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never had an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He never traveled 200 miles from the place he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. While he was still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends deserted him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. 
He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had, his coat. When he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed grave. Twenty centuries have come and gone and today he's the central figure for much of the human race. All the armies that ever march, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of people as this one solitary life, Jesus. So you are faced with this question, whether you like it or not, what is so wonderful about this baby, Jesus, all the Christmas light, all the decorations, all the hustle, all the bustles we go through. What is so wonderful about this baby, Jesus? A baby who understands our family disapprovals, our financial difficulties. He understands what it means to be born homeless and poor. And since Jesus can empathize with what we are going through, the good news is that he offers to us what is real, And what is eternal? Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and the mother. Take the child and the mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophets, out of Egypt I called my son. Book of Matthew chapter number 2. Jesus was born, the wise men came along, they arrived. They are asking, where is he who has been born, the king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and we have come to worship him. They arrive in Jerusalem, they are expecting the Jewish people to be celebrating the birth of their savior, their messiah. What they find instead is they find King Herod and Jerusalem were troubled by this news. And to make things work, King Herod is using the wise men as some kind of a tracking GPS device. Wise men, you go and find baby Jesus and I will come along and I will worship baby Jesus. And look at the deceit. King Herod wants to kill the baby but is pretending to worship the baby. And all of this is going along, but thankfully, in a divine act of of God's kindness, when things go wrong, God is there. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up and escape to Egypt. So after the deception and the hatred and the plot to kill the baby, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus are faced with the reality of fleeing their home as a refugee. Baby Jesus, born poor, born homeless, and now fled as a refugee. And so as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ at Portico, it is appropriate that we take the time to remember the ones who have been marginalized. Especially the homeless, and the hungry, and the little ones, and the hopeless It is appropriate during Christmas that we take the time to to identify with that. Jesus was born as good news. And he was born as good news to us. He came as light in the darkness. He changed it for us. And as we understand and accept and receive the good news, we realize that we have a responsibility to share this good news with others. Now we have a practical problem. Let's admit it. 
We know during Christmas season we want to give gifts, we want to bless others, we want to do it, the intention is there. But the problem is some of us don't know how to share. Some of us are shy. Some of us feel awkward. And so we as a church, we come along and we say, hey, let's do it together. We will help you. And God will help you for Luke chapter 12, verse number 12 says, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. When we don't know what to say and when we don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit will teach you because He is your friend. So we come together as a group of believers to celebrate the birth every year. And we come together to rise above our Christmas traditions and think of the mission for which we have been born, for which we live. Point number two, mission over tradition. Now, there are all kinds of Christmas traditions. There's a Santa Claus and then there's a, the, all the fantasy stories around that. And then there's a jingle bells and then the flying reindeers and the gift coming down the chimney. I, I won't be a downer, so I'm not going to poke holes at all the Christmas traditions that many of us enjoy. I'm not even going to endorse the view that we need to return to the Christmas like the olden days. While some of us advocate that, many of us don't even know that between 1659 and 1681, Christmas was banned in Massachusetts in USA. And Christmas was not banned because of some, some atheist. It, it was not banned because of some secular agitators. It was banned because church-going Puritans said December 25th is not a religious day. And the argument was that if God wanted us to celebrate it, then he would have specified the date in the Bible, December 25th. So I'm not going to go that far either. Now I will say this. It seems that some of our Christmas traditions focus more on our comforts and less on what the marginalized need. Let's face it. One out of seven people in Mississauga live below the poverty line. Our Christmas tradition does not focus on them. Our Christmas tradition seems to focus on our comfort. We want to change this around. We want to make our tradition be secondary to our mission to bring good news to all mankind. It's not like in December during Christmas we forget the mission. No, in fact, during Christmas, we actually look at our mission and our mission makes perfect sense. We share the good news to all mankind. Now there are 80 nationalities represented here. And all of us come from different countries, different backgrounds. During Christmas time, we have amazing, delicious food, different from one another. Wonderful. We celebrate that. Nothing wrong with that. But one of the ideas of celebrating Christmas is to give to one another. And during Christmas season, we are reminded God's love is for all of us. When it came to the announcement of the birth of Jesus, the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds out in the field. The good news was not confined to a room. It was not, conf it was not announced in a governor's house. It was not an announced in a king's palace. It was out announced right out there, out in the field. And we who are here, we take the good news and we go out and we share it out in the field. During his lifetime, the f look at the friends of Jesus. It was the poor, 
the marginalized, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. It is clear that the good news needs to go out to everyone, whosoever believes. So now we ask, when should we share the good news? I get it. It's good news. I get it. I need to go out and announce it. When do I share it? Can I share the good news next year? Luke chapter 9, verse 59 to 61. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. It's important that we understand the real meaning behind the statement. And to understand the real meaning, we need to understand the burial tradition that was observed in Israel during the first century. These traditions required that the body of the dead be buried the first day, same day. This is called the first burial. The body was then placed in a burial chamber where it was left to decompose. The transfer of the bone was called the second burial. The Jews believed that during the decomposition of the flesh between the first and the second burial, which took place a year later, atonement was achieved by the person. The person got saved. Jesus in this passage was denying the validity of the second burial tradition. Instead of waiting for one year for the flesh to decompose, the second burial to take place, where the body gets transferred, Jesus is saying, go. Don't just sit here and wait. Go and proclaim the good news. The Savior of the world is here. The Messiah has come. Go and proclaim the good news. And when we understand what Jesus is saying, we realize we don't need to wait for a year. We can start sharing the good news today. We can start sharing it right now. How do we share the good news? Who do we share it with? John 13 verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, John 13, 12. There are two truths that emerge in this passage of scripture. We consider the story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And as we consider this, the first is this. We cannot walk with Jesus nor can we benefit from him unless we allow him to serve us. But the second principle is this. Once we have allowed Jesus to serve us, then we have to go out and serve one another. We connect and then we grow and serve. While washing the disciples' feet, Jesus is asking the question, do you understand what I've done for you? One way to look at what Jesus has done is this. Yes, during the first century, um, there was no cars, the road is dusty, there was no shoes, people were wearing sandals. When you walked into the house, the feet was dirty, usually the slave was there, it was a lowly job. What Jesus did was, he took the towel and the basin, took the lowly job, and he washed the disciples' feet. Makes perfect sense. It is fascinating that in the Bible, the word servant or service appears over a thousand times. The word leader in the King James Version appears only seven times. In fact, the word leader as is defined by our business culture is not biblical. And Jesus is presenting to us a totally different model of leadership. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. 
the greatest among you is the least and the least among you is the greatest. It's a model of servant leadership. Now the other way to look at this is to try and comprehend who did Jesus serve. Jesus is serving Judas, the one who will betray him. And Jesus is serving Thomas, the one who will doubt him. And Jesus is serving Peter, the one who will deny him. And Jesus is able to do this because Jesus is able to look beyond the present and serve with an eternal kingdom perspective. Point number three, kingdom over country. Kingdom over country. In John 6, 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Unfortunately, in this world, there are millions who are suffering. I already said, one out of seven people living in Mississauga live below the poverty line. People experience war and oppression and disease and starvation and poverty. And beyond the spiritual darkness, they are crushed under the burden of sin. Our one hope is wrapped in the thought that we need to do something about this. So I'm challenging you this morning. We need to give priority to our mission over tradition. We need to give priority to the kingdom over country. And Jesus challenges us to aspire to live with the eternal kingdom in mind. Matthew 6 verse 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. What does this mean? Is it wrong to open a bank account? Is it wrong to set aside savings, to indulge in stocks and shares, or possess gold or diamonds? Jesus does not demand from everyone a life of poverty, but right priorities. Jesus does not demand from everyone a life of poverty, but right priorities. Titami is the word for store up in the original Greek language. And the word means to lay aside passively. It is setting aside something without a purpose or goal for its honorable use. So where is a good place to invest with a purpose or goal for its honorable use? What is the big give? In Luke chapter 4 verse 17 to 18, Jesus presents his mission statement. He walks into a synagogue, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. His mission statement, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. May I ask you, what your personal mission statement is? And if you say you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then can I ask you a second blunt question? How does your personal mission statement stand up against the mission statement of Christ? That's a tough one. John 18 verse number 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. It is not surprising that Jesus' immediate impact began small. He did not enjoy high salary. He did not have a prestigious title. He did not have fame. He did not have great position in the upper realms of society. He did not give to us five steps to success. 
He did not give us another tense, uh, Ten Commandments. Neither a university degree nor powerful friends could substantiate his claims. He did not conduct modern-style board meetings or create business cards or brochures or pamphlet in his honor. Jesus, as God, walked comfortable as a man in the face of a society aspiring to be God. His kingdom is not of this world. John 14, 3, And I go and prepare a place for you. And I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus started by saying, Foxes have a place and birds have a place, but I, I don't have a place to lay my head down. And then right here, he's bringing it in a larger context and he's saying, but I'm going to go and prepare a place for you so that where I am, you will also be. Jesus did not live and die to establish a new religion. He was here to repair the broken relationship between humankind and God. Jesus came to encourage and direct people to the eternal kingdom of God, where death, disease, poverty, and our greediness do not follow. His teachings culminated in this one grand idea, and the grand idea is this, to seek the things of God rather than those of temporary significance. And although on earth he humbled himself and had no place to lay his head down in the life to come, Make no mistakes, God owns the cattle on the thousand hills. He owns every animal, he owns every beast, he owns every bird, he owns us and he is the Lord of lords. He is the King of kings and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That is the good news. Now I was born in a non-Christian home. I didn't deserve the good news. Because of a series of events in my life and because of God's grace and God's mercy, I realize that whosoever believes in Jesus Christ will not perish but will have the gift of eternal life. The birth of Jesus brought good news to all mankind. Everyone in the world, whosoever will, can come boldly before Him and our lives can be changed. So let me make it really simple for all of us. You know, for some of us who come from non-Christian background, we don't understand all the mumbo and jumbo. We don't understand all the languages which is thrown to us. Really simple, here is the good news. The good news is, if you're watching it online, if you're here in the room, here's the news. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, may I invite you to invite Jesus into your heart today. At the end of the service... You can walk up to our information center, meet with Pastor Melanie, and she can help you walk along. Or at the end of the service, you can come up in the front, and our prayer team members would be happy to pray with you. If you're watching online, just reach out to a chat host and ask our chat host, how do I accept Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior? And the chat host will help you. It's really simple. It doesn't have to be where I have to stand up or I have to come in the front or the music has to play and, you know, all eyes have to close and all heads have to bow and only then can I say yes to Jesus. Saying yes to Jesus is really simple. Say it with me. Yes. That's how simple it is. It's, it's, that's it. You go, really? I mean, that's it? Yeah. Say it with me. Online here. Yes. Romans 10.10 10 says, For it is with your heart that you believe 
and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Will you do that? Will you invite Jesus to come into your heart today? And as you're doing that, whether you're online or whether you are here and you're just sitting there going, yes, please allow me to close in a word of prayer. Dear God, you're beautiful. Oh, you're so beautiful. Help us to remember the birth of Jesus so that we may share in the song of the angels, the gladness of the shepherds, the worship of the wise men. May we close the door of hate and open the door of love all over the world. Let kindness come with every gift and hope with every donation. Deliver us from evil by the blessing which Christ brings and help us to say yes to you and receive the gift of eternal life. May this Christmas celebration make us happy to be thy children and may Christmas Eve bring us to our beds with grateful thoughts. And as we are forgiving and forgiven, help us to spread one hope and help the homeless. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.